Hi, this is James Mercer from The Shins. This is Shirley Manson. This is Low Tallest, co-founder of The Cure. This is Huey Lewis giving you the story behind the song. The story behind the song is back with an exciting second season. We peel back the layers on music's most iconic hits with legendary artists like The Killers, Heart, The B-52s, Violent Femmes, Jewel, Huey Lewis, Modern English, and more. To keep the music flowing, we'll be sprinkling in classic episodes from our archives between each new one. So check out the story behind the song wherever you get your podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Consequence Podcast Network. Hello, and welcome to the Spark Parade, a show where I geek out with artists and entertainers about their cultural spark of inspiration at Spark Parade on all social media. Thanks so much for joining me. So, this is a very special episode for me. Um, my guest is singer-songwriter Lissy, and her spark is Catherine May's book, Wintering. Uh, this is a conversation about living through periods of transition, about pain and loss, but also joy and hope. Uh, so pretty small in scope, right? Um, Lissy lives in northern Iowa, and I grew up in southern Minnesota, you know, two places that are very close together. So talking to her kind of felt like going home to me. There's this way that Midwestern people communicate with each other that feels so familiar to me. And, you know, I haven't been to Minnesota in 20 years. And this interview kind of made me feel homesick in a weird way. Um, anyway, Lissy and I got on like a house on fire. So I hope you enjoy hearing our conversation as much as I did participating in it. And I'm going to gush a lot about her music throughout this episode, so watch out. Okay, quick Lissy facts. Midwestern artist Lissy is a multi-talented tour de force who appeared in TV shows Twin Peaks and Loudermilk, as well as co-owning the music genre-themed popcorn company Ots Pops Indie Pop and being involved with land conservation and running her own farm. Her new country-tinged indie folk album, Carving Canyons, is due on September 16th on Lion Boy Records. The sun-soaked 12-song collection is a sonic comfort, as it simultaneously charts the ripples caused by heartbreak and loneliness, as well as what happens when the soul perseveres amidst pain. As the COVID-19 pandemic spread across the world, Lissy was also dealing with an impactful breakup on her Iowa farm. Uh, I love this album so fucking much, so please give it a listen when it comes out next week. I feel a little emotional just thinking about it. Whew. Okay. Uh, 
quick wintering facts. Wintering, The Power of Rest and Retreat in Difficult Times, is a moving personal narrative by Catherine May, shot through with lessons from literature, mythology, and the natural world. May's story offers instruction on the transformative power of rest and retreat. Illumination emerges from many sources. Solstice celebrations and dormice hibernation, C.S. Lewis and Sylvia Plath, swimming in icy waters and sailing Arctic seas. And that's that. I can't wait for you to hear this conversation, so let's not wait anymore. Here comes my chat with Lissy about wintering. The standard first question is um, just how did you come to this uh, piece of work? So do you remember getting turned on to this book by uh, someone or did you find it yourself? Yeah, so... um like COVID, COVID Christmas of Christmas of 2020, I wasn't able to be with my parents. Um, they were being pretty safe. I did end up seeing my brother and his family, um, which was great because I live alone and was single at the time. Um, so when I finally did get to spend some time with my parents in January of 2021, I had been you know safe so that I could go stay with them for a little bit. Um, my mom gave it to me like for Christmas, but after the fact. And so it's called Wintering by Catherine May. And it was just like, just what I needed at that point in time, you know, headed into the COVID winter. Um, I live in Northeastern Iowa, so it's really cold. And yeah, it just kind of gave me a lot of perspective on how to enjoy, enjoy like, you know, the kind of darker, quieter, more restful, time of the year. Yeah. I grew up in the Twin Cities, so I know oh, yeah. uh, I know those those Midwest winters, especially in that particular part of the country. It's pretty brutal. Yeah, I know. I mean it's it's comparable. It's about the same as there. I'm in, you know, northeast Iowa, so I'm right on the border of Minnesota and um spend a lot of time in the Twin Cities. And yeah, you just but what I love about people from the Twin Cities, I think they more so than where I grew up a few hours south of here, is I feel like Minnesotans not all, but kind of have that Norwegian sort of vibe where it's like, there's no such thing as bad weather, just bad clothing, you know, where they actually embrace winter and dress the part and, and, and actively spend time outdoors. Um, despite like it being so cold outside, you could die. Right. (laughs) Which is funny, you know, coincidentally in this book, she talks a lot about, uh, kind of the, the Scandinavian attitude to winter and, um, that idea of, winter being something that is absolutely inescapable. It's not something that you can kind of, you know, in, in England, um, like I, I'm a dual citizen. I lived in England for 12 years and it isn't something you can ignore, but it's not as dramatic. It's, you know, it's wet, it gets colder, but it's not really cold. There's very little snow. Um, and in places like the Midwest and in Scandinavia and whatever, where you're sometimes getting a few feet of snow, and you really have to plan for what's going to happen to you. It's a very different experience. Yeah. And I mean, like you say, obviously, I mean, if you live, even if you live in Southern California, you know, when I lived there, um, because you do get so used to the consistently nice sunny weather, I mean, there's somewhat of a winter there. So I think it can still apply. But like you say, being from the Twin Cities up here, um, yeah, not only do you have to plan for like road conditions and snow and shovel and do the things, but I mean, there are legitimately days where it's 
it's so cold outside that if you were to, you know, wander out for too long, um, it, it's like actually kind of life threatening. Um, and there's sort of a reverence then that you have for winter. Like it's saying like, you need to, you need to like bundle up and like be restful. And um, so, yeah. Yeah. And I think that, you know, there's a lot of that in this book where it's this kind of dichotomy saying there's this really extreme way of looking at, at winter, the season saying we've really got to, you know, make our shopping list. We've got to have a million canned goods. We need to get warm clothes, all this other stuff and thinking of it as something to endure. Or the other side is like, ah, it's a time to get cozy or it's a time to really you know, reflect, to spend time with my family and kind of embracing it. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think, uh, Catherine May has a very good balance between those two things of being able to say it's okay to find things scary or overwhelming or plan for the worst, but you also need to make sure that you're making time for the flip side. Um, yeah. 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 And I think, you know, beyond, just the winter itself is kind of more about how, you know, when we have these cycles in our life um, that I feel like the winter is a metaphor for, but um, at the time that I got this book, you know, I'd had this breakup in May of 2020 and then it was, everything was so isolated and the world felt so heavy and collectively everything felt really uncomfortable. And, and kind of, as I started getting my footing again and headed into the winter and, and received this book. It was this sort of perfect time because I was starting to come out of the fog. And I almost think back with fondness now sort of on that winter because I really did, um, you know, I went ice skating and I sled, I went sledding and my friends, we'd all get bundled up so that we could sit outside so we could hang out with each other. And I would have a fire almost every night. And there's that concept, like you mentioned, Scandinavian concept of like kusle or hige, which is like, you know, you string up lights and you make it cozy and you read and you, um, but she also, you know, as a metaphor, that idea of like these seasons of our life, um, kind of learning in the midst of all of that pandemic time and the breakup, like as a metaphor for just discomfort, um, that was something that it made me really reflect on too, is that, you know, it's, it's okay to be uncomfortable and it's okay to feel your feelings. And she taught me in this book, I'd never heard of liminal space before. And I just loved this concept of liminal space. It's sort of this space between no longer and not yet, where you're just kind of suspended in this in between, like we all were. And, and, you know, in this new album that I've made, like kind of these themes crept into it of like, when you're in that liminal space, there's kind of this either like fear for what's ahead or excitement. And so how so much of any situation, whether it's like, you know, making the most of winter or, you know, sitting, sitting in your discomfort, knowing that the season will shift and, and you'll, you'll be, you know, shining again at some point. Um, it was just like a really great, book to read. And I'd say that winter in particular, I really had a lot of like, um, just a lot of peace that I hadn't felt since I moved back to the Midwest. Mm. <laughs> so yeah. yeah. 
even though everything around me was like just in shambles, it, somehow this book was just like so inspiring. Yeah. I recommend it to everyone. Yeah. 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 I, I'll, I also find it amazing that this book was not written during the pandemic. Like it came out in February of 2020. Um, and it's like, just in the nick of time, here's something to help you through. I um, know. It's, it, it really was interesting to me too. Yeah. It was like, this is the perfect book for these times. Right. Yeah. Um, and uh, like what you were saying just about, you know, all of the different uh, meanings of, of wintering, all of the different ways that you can apply the concept of liminal space to your life. And it's like, you know, about the actual season of winter, about your physical space, about your state of being, your emotional state, all of those different kinds of things. And um, in uh, doing some research before uh, this, this conversation, I was looking up different examples of liminal space. And there are things that I hadn't thought of that make total sense, like pregnancy and saying, you know, before you're pregnant, you are by your, you know, it's just you. Then you're pregnant and you have a person growing inside of you and then you're not pregnant anymore and that person is with you. And so the pregnancy is like this period of transition where it's not limbo, you know, there is something happening, but it is, uh, there's movement. It's leading from one place to the next thing. Um, and I think this book gives so many concrete examples of that, but also says living in liminal space even though, as you said, it's uncomfortable or it can be uncomfortable, that embracing um, that as a time to, again, rest, reflect, regroup, but also that there's something exciting about transitioning into something new. And if you can live in that moment and appreciate that time as well, it's like you're not wasting those moments in your life. And everybody has those moments and they come over and over and over again. So when I think about... Like, and it seems like an odd thing to say, because when you're in liminal space, it's like, I look back on even, you know, being in my twenties or just having this existential dread really. And, and how, as I've gotten older, I've handled it better and better and better. But like, you know, it's a time where you can't help, but like really kind of feel fear. But then in hindsight, I think of some of those periods of time now knowing what was to come with like so much fondness, you know, I feel so much fondness for like this younger version of myself that was like, ah, what's the future going to hold? And, um, and I, you know, obviously I still have that. Uh, but it's interesting how these times of like pain, I weirdly look back on them with this fondness. Cause there's also just something so humbling when you're in that space. And you just like are feeling everything. And so even though it's like really hard, I weirdly have a fondness for those times. And, you know, to speak to everything's been so busy, 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 busy this summer, this like coming out of COVID being busy again. And everyone's like, how did I do this before? Um, I mean, my boyfriend and I were joking that I was like, oh gosh, we wait all year for summer. It's and then it's like summer comes and, and you get to this point and there's part of you that's like, I'm just ready for it to be winter. <laughs> like, not really. I should never say that or fall, but you know, because there's in this book that, you know, wintering the power of rest and retreat in difficult times. But, 
Um, there's something really yummy about winter. It's an invitation to, to rest and to like nourish yourself and, you know, nourish your body. And, um, and yeah, so it, it was, it kind of gave me a new appreciation of a, of a season that I used. And I, to be honest with you, this last winter, I was just like over it, mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> but the winter that I read this book, I was just really in this beautiful space. It really gave me a lot of good perspective. So I'm sorry if I kind of just went off topic, but no, no, that's all exactly on topic. Um, but that was just making me think, uh, for an English person again, I mean, they've had a really a strangely brutal summer this summer, but normally doesn't really get that hot. And I think the, the flip side of the Midwestern winter is the Midwestern summer and thinking about like how brutal August can be and just swampy humidity and just oppressive heat and feeling so gross that getting colder can feel like a relief. Um, and at least the beginning of it, like something to look forward to because it's like, you know, finally things are, the air is a little bit easier to tolerate. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I guess, you know, thinking about um, the in England in particular, the way that people act in winter that, you know, she talks about uh, that there used to be, uh, you know, the thought, the thinking is that they, there were all of these festivals throughout the year that like Druids had uh, yeah. festivals for the equinoxes and Bolt and right. And it was like yeah. every six weeks. So there was always something to look forward to always this period of rest where everybody came together and kind of, you know, took stock and celebrated and whatever. And now it's basically just the end of the year. And in England, especially it's all the, the focus on Christmas is so intense and it's a very secular uh country and the the celebration of christmas is not religious at all for the most part um but like you know i'm i'm jewish and i it's like everyone gets involved it doesn't feel like anybody is left out and it's like christmas no that's not religious at all um but the lead up to christmas is like this really exciting thing and the whole country just goes absolutely crazy for it so i think you know she talked a little bit about the lead up to christmas and how cozy that feels as well and there are definitely things that people look forward to in the winter and then i think it gets a little bit harder again in the new year when real winter starts when it gets really brutally cold and you really you know it's harder for you to leave your house all of that kind of stuff um so just talking about like even within a winter all of the different ways that you can feel and the ups and downs that can come. Yeah. And it's so funny because I mean, there's that thing of like, you know, cliche of like talk, you know, talking about the weather, it's like the most ba you know, boring, basic thing you can talk about. But yeah, I feel like it's all we, it's all we talk about. It has such a big, I mean, British people in particular, it's always talking about the weather, always. <laughs> you know, oh, it's going to rain and you know, and then it's too hot and then it's like, we want it to get colder, but then we want it to be warm. And it's just like, I feel like we were lucky here. We've had like a pretty mild, pleasant summer, but, and just as I was like, wow, it's been a mild, pleasant summer. It was only like 75 degrees over this past weekend, which is like perfect. And um, then of course, it's just like in the nineties, like a hundred percent humidity today to where my dog will like barely go outside. But 
you know, it's the first thing that comes up. I had to make an appointment today. I was on the phone with someone and they're like, oh, it's so hot out there. You know, we talk, we, it's funny to me how it's like, oh, it's like, you're a basic bitch if you talk about the weather, but you know, but it's really like so human, human to, uh, to discuss, to discuss it. Cause it's this like collective experience we're having, but yeah, I mean, beyond the literal weather, I just, um, you know, and with the new music I've been making is just really keeping an eye on like cycles and seasons and, and, um, you know, when you're in that liminal space, like having faith that like the next thing is coming. So don't rush through this thing. Cause this is your life, like feel your life and what will be revealed will be revealed easier said than done, of course, um, because it's so natural for people to be always thinking ahead and what's going to happen and preparing for the future. Time for a quick break because somebody's got to keep the lights on around here, but we'll be right back. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, there was, and I can't, I mean, full disclosure, I haven't actually read this in like a year and a half, um, just because I, I didn't really know, like that we hadn't chosen the topic until like last week and I was um, traveling and uh, had some other things going on. But, you know, one of the other things that she wrote about in this, as I'm recalling, you know, is and which I'm seeing a lot of on social media now too, is how so many people are starting to do like cold, cold plunges as a, a means of like treating depression and anxiety and OCD and all of these things. Um, and I have yet to do that, but it was really compelling to me because more and more on Instagram, I'm seeing, you know, people who swear by, you know, it's for the listener. It's like people who get in ice water and just breathe through it and how, there's this guy, Wim Hof, who's been doing it forever, um, that there's so much about our breathing when we're trying to like not scream because we're in ice cold water. <laughs> that is a, such a shock to the system that it's like, 
so effective for like treating depression and all sorts of things. And, um, and so I've yet to try it, but I, I feel like it's blowing up right now. Like so many people are doing it. And I could even think, you know, up in Minnesota when people are, my boyfriend's up in Minnesota, it's like the ice fishing. It would be essentially like lowering yourself down into this, you know, icy water, but you know, she swims in the, the icy sea in the winter in Whitstable. And, you know, I've seen friends of mine in Norway who go for a swim in the fjord in the winter and, and how that in and of itself is like now gaining like huge, huge like traction as like a, like a normalized like thing that sane people are doing as a means of um, not only met for mental health, but like circulation and all the wonders of like cold plunges. So, you know, she addressed that in the book as well. Yeah. And I think, you know, that's another uh, concept that deals with liminal space. Like being in that water is the liminal space. Before you are in the water, you're anticipating it. Then you're in the water and you're kind of processing whatever feelings you have, maybe wanting it to be over as quickly as possible or trying to get as much out of it while you're in it. And then afterwards, you have these whatever healing effects come from having done it. Um, and yeah, just that, that power of like living in those uncomfortable moments, whether you're suffering through them or whether you're really trying to enjoy them and knowing that it's going to lead to something. And another hard part is that, you know, in terms of the way we experience time, the future is the one thing that we can't ever know. And, you know, like what you were saying, thinking about what's happened to you in your past and thinking about different periods in your life you know, your, your memory can play tricks on you. Your memory can be fuzzy. You can remember things slightly differently to how they are, but you can still, you know, you know that you've had those experiences. You can think back on them. The present is obviously with us constantly and we're experiencing that as, as it's happening, but it's, uh, you know, the idea of liminal space also kind of deals with that uncertainty about the future and that it's like, there's actually an Instagram account called liminal space, um, that is like, a lot of hallways or it'll be like an empty cafe um and just it's it you know knowing that that's what the concept is behind it it's just every image is full of anticipation um and there is something kind of electric about that it's like it kind of makes you go ooh, but at the same time you feel excited yeah and it's funny because like your examples like of like the pregnancy and and even with with being in that ice cold water like you know, I hadn't even thought of it in, in as many examples that, that way. And it's interesting now to wrap my head around that. Like when I had first seen it, it, I Googled it too. And it's like these two overlapping circles and the little spot where they're overlapping is like that, that liminal space. And um, I mean, not in, and not in wanting to uh, repeat my, repeat myself, but um, part of the reason why this was so powerful for me to read is like, you know, like any of us, like, I think people say, like, you know, I'm going to do good in school, I'm going to go to college, I'm going to find a partner, I'm going to get married, I'm going to have kids, I'm going to have a job, like, you know, you have this, like, kind of illusion of that comfort of like, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. And my life is on a track, and I'm on a track. And, you know, I've never lived a very conventional life. But, you know, at the point where COVID had started, and my relationship ended, um, and because I didn't have like music or travel or, 
you know, being with a lot of people as like an option to distract myself from the fact that like I was on a track and it disappeared. Like the road just disappeared. And I knew, and in that wintering too, it was like, that was kind of when I started making my new album. It was like, I really had to still myself in that time because there was like this moment where it just felt like almost unbearable that the road in front of me had disappeared. Like it was terrifying. It was like, well, what do I do now? You know? And I've even had talked, you know, was talking to a therapist at that time who had mentioned something like, you know, maybe the, the not knowing what's ahead isn't terrifying. Maybe that's exciting, you know? And then as time passed and, and I, I was like, no, it's terrifying, you know. <laughs> but then as time passed, it was it was exciting. And I don't know, I think there's some themes, not necessarily in this book, and maybe I digress, but you know, just in talking about writing or things that I've learned or I think sometimes like all these things that we think we want and we need and we're just so tunnel vision and trying to get them that sometimes I don't think we know what we actually want and need. And it's sort of in that like kind of discomfort and difficulty when stuff like is forced to fall away and we have to deal with fallout and we have to like lose things and it's painful. But then when the next thing starts and things get better again, I mean, you can really look back and see all of that had to happen. That had to end, that had to shift. This one thing I was clinging to so desperately, little did I know, you know, had I let it go more gracefully, it would have given way to something even more amazing. And yeah, so I think, I mean, I'm kind of covering a lot of different bits here, but somewhere in that space of, you know, what's no longer and what is not yet. Um, it's almost like in a holding pattern or like almost like purgatory, mm -hmm. you know? There was something in, in just kind of leaning into that space that um, if you can kind of like just feel the feels of it, it's a really, it's like actually kind of like a really powerful, gracious, gracious space to be in. Right. And, you know, again, that this book coming along at a time when the entire world was living in a liminal space and yeah, we're like all suspended suspended between this world we'd all been kind of collectively living in and agreeing on what was reality more or less to just the unbelievable happening and so there was always going to be this like before the pandemic and after the pandemic because the world that we knew is like never totally going to come back so that i mean yeah the pandemic was the ultimate liminal liminal space yeah and you know that idea of the anxiety of trying to anticipate what is coming when there's no possible way that you can ever do it. And in a, an extreme situation like COVID, where people are worried that the world is never going to get back to normal, that's kind of the furthest extreme. Um, I, I can't remember if I've told this story on this podcast before. Apologies to anyone who's listening if you have heard it. But when I was little, there's this story that's told all through my life and my family of when I was very little, a teacher of mine saying to my parents, you know, Adam is um, very anxious on the school bus on the way to the field trip. 
And when he gets to the field trip, he's fine, but he really struggles with that, you know, uncertainty. And it's like, you know, those little moments where you either are going to suffer and feel like the anxiety is so overwhelming. And that's not something that everyone can control or maybe anyone can control completely, but learning to say, am I going to use this time exclusively to worry and be anxious or am I going to spend lockdown watching, you know, the entire uh, HBO back catalog and just enjoy myself in the, in the moments where I can allow myself to relax and not feel anxious about the future. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, I think it's worth adding to that because I think it, the pandemic was also like a wildly different experience for different people, you know, totally. essential workers, mm. essential workers or people that didn't have the resources or, you know, people in, you know, who were, um, had addiction issues and like, you know, they're not being, uh, rehabs or, people who were recently widowed or, you know, elderly. And like, when you think of all the levels and layers of suffering that like, I can't even compare mine to, I mean, yes, my boyfriend left me for someone else during the pandemic and it was really stirring, but you know, I had my health. So yes, suffering is relative, I'd say. Um, but you know, yeah, it was, I, there were some people who were just loving life. I mean, there were some people who it's like the best thing that ever happened to them and their families and their dogs. They were, you know, maybe they had jobs that were still able to to pay them or they got a big loan from the government to PPP or, and they were, you know, for me, like before the breakup, I was just like finally like going for like three hour walks and like stretching and like trying to like cook a lot and yeah, watching a ton of TV and hanging out with my dog because I didn't have to tour. Like at first it was like, oh, I don't have to tour or go anywhere. <laughs> it's like, but um, but then for me, my circumstances changed and it and it got pretty hard. But um, but no, I feel like there I have friends who like didn't want to live in LA, but they had to for work that because of COVID now they can just live in like, you know, Asheville, North Carolina and work remotely or live in Iowa and work remotely to a place in Las Vegas or, you know, so what, what this pandemic thing was, it's a great example of the liminal space, but I think depending on people's circumstances and obviously a lot of people died and, you know, not to, to not, I feel like that's worth mentioning. You know, I think sometimes we forget how many people actually died from COVID. I mean, it's terrifying and, but, um, I had to kind of give myself permission that even though it wasn't as bad as I know it was for some people, I had, per I was giving myself permission to have my own grieving process over the world and what I was losing out on and experiencing and what was scary for me. You know, like I give myself permission, comparative suffering doesn't help anyone. But, yeah. um, and, and also I think it's worth pointing out when I'm like, Oh, and my boyfriend broke up with me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. It's the worst thing that's ever happened to anyone. You know, that's how it feels though when it happens to you yeah. until you get over it. And then it's like, fine. So. Right. And I guess, you know, in a way that feels a bit more uh, applicable to the full range of experiences that people had during the pandemic, that maybe the book is saying that living in liminal space 
can be terrible or it can be amazing and that neither of those things is wrong, but that successfully living in liminal space is learning how to tolerate it regardless of what's happening to you. Um, and to some people, not knowing what's coming is intolerable regardless of their circumstances, even if they're perfectly happy. Um, so yeah, it's a really, it's a really interesting concept. Also, I should say in the list of examples that I found, breakups are an example of liminal space as well. So it's that idea of like before, then you have this traumatic event and you're living in it and dealing with the heartbreak. And then you come out the other side of it and you're a different person. You're changed from it. But it's like that period of heartbreak was the thing that is carrying you through to this new version of yourself. Yeah. Um, and in my case, into like a new relationship that um, is like the best relationship I've ever been in. And I remembered when the breakup had happened being like, how am I ever going to meet anyone? I live in the middle of nowhere in Iowa. <laughs> like, you know. Just thinking like, oh gosh, like I, I had a plan or I, I was on a, but then being like, well, thank God, you know, and I guess that's another thing, which isn't necessarily directly related to the book, but it's worth just any, I think for anyone that's going through a hard time is that once you get through it, not in all cases, it is kind of like, oh yeah, like, thank goodness that really awful thing kind of happened because if that hadn't happened this other better thing wouldn't happen so yeah right right but and i i'm, I'm straying a little because i'm personalizing it but um no i love i love this idea of like you know we we don't get to know the future and being able to be like comfortable with uncertainty is really almost like the spiritual challenge of our beings on here on earth you know mm, right is being um comfortable with uncertainty. I mean, it's not something I'm necessarily great at, but I think if I, at, the more I read and do things in that realm, you know, the more I, you can kind of start to practice that. Yeah. And we, you know, we live in a, a unique time in human history where we have access to more information than any human beings ever have. And people feel like they should be able to have all the answers and should be able to predict the future because everything that they could ever possibly want to know is in their literally at their fingertips. Um, and again, just having to really learn that it isn't possible to predict the future. You cannot know everything that's going to happen to you and learning to be comfortable with that fact or at least to tolerate it. Um, and yeah. it's hard. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a challenge for us all. And I mean, to that point as well, talking about having like all this information at our fingertips. I mean, I think that's actually making it worse because not only do we know about the bad things that are happening, you know, that are kind of related to our sphere, but now we just know about everything awful everywhere at every second of every day and it's just you know i depending on also how where people expose themselves to news or media but um you know it's kind of i think making it worse because now there's more to worry about even if worrying about this thing is not gonna make any difference in the outcome of this thing but it's like you feel this responsibility to bear witness to your fellow man and be aware, 
but then there's so much helplessness that comes with that. Um, and it's like that cognitive dissonance of being able to, you know, be aware of what is bad, but then also still carve out space to enjoy your life. You know, it's like these two opposing things, you know, that, um, that I found has been quite interesting. I mean, again, kind of by digress, but with like the whole Roe v. Wade thing, are you mm -hmm. in England now? Are no, you I'm back in New York. Oh, you're in New York. Yeah. That day, that day and kind of since like, you don't realize how, as you're move, as I move through my day and I see, I have all these sunflowers that volunteered in front of my house and I see one and I, and I think, Oh, that's so beautiful. You know, or, Oh, my dog's so cute. Or, Oh, my friend is funny or I just ate a nice meal. Like, and then you're kind of li like living your life and trying to be delighted with like all of this, like heavy awareness, just kind of like there all the time. I mean, it's been more so in the last like two to five years, but yeah. Um, that's not necessarily wintering related, but I just is going to comment on that. Yeah. Um, in the wanting to be present and wanting to be graceful and, you know, and embrace the discomfort and those things. But, um, it's a little, it's a little harder to do when you're kind of aware of this like energy that's constantly around us now. That's like a little bit tense, a lot of it tense, but right. And, you know, in this insane uh patchwork government that we have even thinking about the roe decision that like people who need abortion services are experiencing the effects of that decision in different ways because some in some places it's absolutely immediate that there is no abortion care and in some places they're in a holding pattern waiting to find out what's going to happen and in some places it's enshrined in law but it doesn't change the fact that you know, this terrible thing is happening in this country and millions and millions of people are not going to have access to those services. So it's, you know, again, relative, um, uh, and the idea of, uh, a, a different, a different range of emotional experiences happening at all times and different levels of anxiety, different levels of terror, whatever is going on in people's lives, and for each individual person, finding a way to survive through those periods of uncertain, uncertainty, hopefully finding a way to find some joy and to, to save moments for themselves where they can appreciate life even when terrible things are happening around them. Um, and I think, you know, I think that's a really nice idea. Yeah, I think that's the challenge because it's like you and it's just the overarching maddening hypocrisy of someone telling me what medical decisions I can make while like there's so much gun violence going on and war and the opioid crisis and like like a I had a friend who worked for protect child protective services there's like no resources for these kids it's it's tragic it's like you know, it, so it's just, it's a lot of the hypocrisy that's so maddening as well that, you know, but then I want to be able to be like, La -da -da, it's a beautiful mm -hmm. day outside, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. like, 
and try and be involved in what what are the ways that I can contribute or help, mm-hmm. but or really help. That's what we're all asking ourselves. I don't know. Yeah, or just taking care of yourself, taking care of the people who you love who are immediately in front of you and, you know, doing whatever you can to try to change the the rest of the world, but really just, you know, everybody doing the best they can. Yeah, and I think, you know, it kind of ties back to, like in my case, and I say this kind of often, but it's like, well, if I can make music, you know, reading this and being inspired and making music that if it makes anyone who is pent up emotionally have like a an outpouring if it helps people to like feel their feelings and sort of release them and then because they've like processed some of their shit they're not going to go out and like project it on someone else in a bad way then that is like one teeny tiny thing that it's like i feel like i could maybe try to help with is just talking about like and talking about hard stuff i mean you grew up in the midwest there are times where it's like it makes people feel uncomfortable when you want to talk about like being angry or sad or mm-hmm. you know right <laughs> but we need we need to deal with this stuff cuz it builds it it'll fester and it'll it'll just lead to you like cutting someone off in traffic and causing an accident <laughs> right. you know right yeah, and it's. I think emotional intelligence is like I feel like the only way towards peace in this world. Yeah, yeah. And, and I'm I have been I have a long ways to go, but I'm constantly very curious about feeling feelings, and I think that sort of tying it back to wintering is like feeling feelings, being able to like get comfortable with uncertainty, you know, kind of making the most of the in between. And like, almost like having faith mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, I think that is a, a lovely note on which to finish. You have been so generous with your time. I really appreciate this. This has been really, really lovely. And I have to say, speaking of the effect that your music will have on people, oh, this album, ooh, so incredible. Congratulations. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much. Really that just made me get like a little walled up. I really appreciate <laughs> it. I put a lot of emotion and heart into it. So thank yeah. you for that. Really beautiful. Um, oh, so you. congratulations. Thank you me. again. Thank I really, really appreciate this. This has been fantastic. Oh, it's been awesome. Thank you, Adam. I hope we meet uh, in real life here sometime soon. And thanks yes. for the opportunity. I'll yes. talk to you soon. Thank you again. All right. Take care. All right. Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. What a pleasure. Thanks again to Lissy. She's such a kind and thoughtful person, and that was just brilliant. One of my favorite conversations from this podcast. Um, And my spark this week is Lissy's new album, Carving Canyons, which is out next week on September 16th. And I think it'll hit you pretty hard after listening to this conversation and um, understanding the context. It's really gorgeous. So check it out. And that's all I've got for you this week. I'll be back next week with my last episode for a little while. Um, I'm going to be cooking up some exciting stuff for you, and I promise it'll be worth the wait. Uh, I'm not going to be taking very much of a break, though. I also promise that. So, um, yeah, have a lovely little week. Hope you do something fun and relaxing. And until next time, 
Bye. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.